Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. You know, sometimes we come together in a center like this and we ask, well, why are we here? Why have we gathered in this setting today? And I'm going to let Myrtle Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, answer the question for us. She says, our mission is not to entertain one another, although we can (laughs) and do often. You should see the number of cabaret shows we do here. Our mission is not, she had nothing to say about cabaret shows. There's not a single reference in her uh, canon about cabaret shows. Our mission is not to entertain one another, but to help one another know the truth the truth that sets man free and woman. Freedom, spiritual liberation is what we are about in the unity movement. We're not about saving souls or converting the heathen or anything like that. We are about knowing the truth of who we are so that we can live life and have life and have life abundantly and make a difference in and prosper and thrive in every way conceivable. Not only that, but to impact the collective. In our metaphysical group today, we had a lot of conversation about the collective and about the news of the day, most of which is not rewarding or affirming. But there is a point of power that we should all be aware of. And that point of power is you, and that point of power is me because every thought we think impacts the collective. We are the light, and it is our job to allow our light to be made manifest in the world. And you might think, how can we do that? There is so much tsunami of information and news coming at us that is really depressing. And has anybody had that experience, or am I the only one shamelessly projecting on everybody else? No, thank you. But recall, as we shared last week, we have these, and we have smartphones and televisions and laptops and watches that bring us news, and we, we have this epidemic of infobesity from 8 billion people on earth, all posting something. Well, not all of them, but enough of them. And now we have machines posting. It's like, oh, criminy sakes, this is a mess. But let us remember our power. We cited some examples in our class this morning of power being demonstrated that we can all model. Harriet Tubman. Even though she didn't have one of these, she had something in her heart and in her mind that was a vision of what could be that was better than what she had. We have her picture in the atrium to remind us all that her spirit is alive and a well and not to ever give up in the face of seeming hopeless odds. Because nothing is ever hopeless if there is a belief and there is that sure connection with divinity, that divinity that resides within us and expresses as us. We thought about Nelson Mandela, 27 years in a prison, yet never wavering on the vision of what South Africa could be and the world could be. And as he famously remarked when he left that prison, he said, I cannot hate these people or else the work will crumble. Something to that effect. We must never lose sight of the good and what is possible 
And I remember being an undergraduate in Europe and going to my ancestral homeland, Berlin. I know this because everybody had one of these. It's genetic dominance. This is what it looks like, in case you were wondering. And a lot of people on both sides of the city in the east and west had my last name, and that was the only place in Germany I found it. So I was like, oh, these are my people, the big nose, big nose Prussians. That's where I come from. And I remember the billions of dollars and rubles spent on maintaining that wall and maintaining that iron curtain and thinking to myself, goodness gracious, this is not going to end well. It ended with nary a gunshot. Yeah, and there's a fox outside the window. So, yeah, there you go. Sly fox. See, you got to watch these. He's absolutely beautiful, and he's looking probably for lunch. So you might not want to look too long. So the reality is we are impacting the collective and we make a difference. And we have models of great people who are normal people who said, this can be better. And I think about the work of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, co-founders of the Unity Movement, who also said, you know, there is a better way that we can be. We don't have to be mired in a theology of fear and anger and guilt and shame, but we can have a theology of liberation and life and love and wisdom and build people on that and build people on their knowingness of their oneness with God. So that's what we're about in unity, and we'll use any tool at our disposal to do so because truth is eternal, principle shows up in a lot of different languages and modes of expression, but it is always truth, and it is always there for us, so that we can create meaningful, beautiful lives and a meaningful, beautiful world where no child will have to worry if there's a bomb going to end up on the house. Let us not ever give up knowing the truth. So, welcome to week number four of Unity Awakening, our annual series of small groups and Sunday talks that bring us together and allow us to deepen our understanding of principle in our lives. This year, we selected the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. She is not a theologian or unity author, and yet her work is very deeply spiritual, even though it reads very simply and very light with a few colorful words tossed in for good measure to see if anyone's paying attention, and they are, rest assured. So there are six key ideas in this topic, in this book, just want to look where we've been so far to see how we got to here. The first divine idea that she lets us know about and quickens in us is this idea of courage. To live a creative life We must live a courageous life, being willing to step out of preconceived notions of who we are or what we can be. That requires a lot of courage, and it also requires curiosity for us to ask ourselves, well, what else is possible? What else can happen in this situation? How else might I show up? Where's the help going to come from? Wonderful questions about that, because The ultimate masterpiece we are creating, the art project of our lives, is just that. It is our life. So whether or not you consider yourself an artist in some way, shape, form, or an engineer or a scientist, we are all creators creating this experience of planet Earth and how we live on it. 
The second idea that we explored is this idea of enchantment, which relates very much with Unity's concept of divine ideas. There are divine ideas all around us, ideas of perfection and joy and beauty and peace and hopefulness and courage. We often say in Unity, thoughts are things. And so in this second week, what we looked at was how to give life and shape and form to divine ideas. You know, we sometimes know that these ideas come to us as inspiration or out of the blue or coincidences or synchronicities or from our intuition. And yes, sometimes we just call them magic. It's just magical how all that came to be. And so we give those expression by our words, our thoughts, and our actions. Last week, we looked at the idea of permission. Now, it's interesting how many of us are trapped in wanting or needing uh, somebody else's validation for how we live our lives or how we create our lives or what we do with our lives. We're just waiting for somebody to say, you're okay, or you have permission. And fortunately, a lot of folks grow up in an environment where they're, they are encouraged to be their best selves, encouraged to find their own interests, and encouraged to make their way in the world. And that's great when that happens. But sometimes it doesn't happen like that. Some of you may have grown up in a situation where you were expected to follow a particular format. This is your life. This is your role. This is what it's got to be. End of subject. Stay in your lane. Yeah, you got to give yourself permission to make that hard left turn. And not everybody's going to like it, but your soul will thank you. Your heart will be free. Ultimately, each one of us is tasked and charged with giving ourselves permission to have the life we want to have to have the life we are called to have. And this week, we come up to the divine idea of persistence, week number four. If you're going to create a life without fear and a life that's fulfilling and meaningful for you, you will have to persist at it. Because if you have skin, and I see that all of you do, chances are that in the pursuit of a goal or a dream or something you just need to get done, an obstacle will show up and quite often, when you least expect it, and quite often, you will find yourself thinking, I have no way of dealing with this. Well, you're in luck. You've come to the right place. Because here we remind one another that we always have what we need within us. It's just a matter of trusting it and moving beyond our comfort zones that are oh so very comfortable we might say. There are a few words in the uh, scriptures that kind of speak to this, and I want to share with you just a, a couple lines from the epistle of James. This is in the Christian scriptures, and this particular letter found towards at the end of the, uh, the Christian Bible is believed by many to be written by James, the brother of Jesus. Um, not everybody agrees with that, it's one of the earliest Christian writings and was written before there was a clear-cut split between Judaism and Christianity. Uh, it's believed to be written towards a 
these Jewish Christians who were living beyond um, the the homeland uh, there in Israel. It includes, interestingly enough, in this short letter, elements of Jewish wisdom and Greek philosophy. And really, it's a good fit for a unity audience. It doesn't take a whole lot of metaphysical interpretation. So this is what it says. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face various trials, consider it all joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance be complete so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. I love that expression, let endurance be complete. I mean, don't shortchange it. Quite often when we get ourselves into a challenging situation or a challenging situation comes and gets us, we just want it to be done as quickly as possible. We'll do anything to get out of it, whether we have to numb ourselves or shortchange our integrity. We just want to be done with it. But he's saying, no, let endurance complete its work. Basically saying, it's come for you, for you, meaning for a blessing for you. So that you may know that you are complete and whole and lacking in nothing. That's what's important. Because that's actually our starting point complete and whole and lacking in nothing. It's just, for whatever reason, sometimes we just don't realize the truth of our being. We need to be reminded of it. And we can leverage the difficult times and the challenges to help us know the truth of our being, to remind us of who we are and why we're here. So chances are we all have trials, we all have tribulations that make us want to quit throw in the towel, pack it in, give up the ghost, cash in our chips, wrap it up, and bail. Am I the only one, or has anybody else ever felt that way? Okay, I'm taking it that you agree. So I just want to share with you one story, and I I don't tell this story very often because I've forgotten so much of it, and I had to go back and read my notes. And uh, it's my story of how I got to be a unity minister. It is a crazy climb that I never thought would ever happen because there's no precedent for being a minister in my family. My mom's family is Jewish, so there's a starting point. But we didn't grow up in church. It wasn't a thing. It was just, you know, Santa came at Christmas, and that was great, and that was wonderful. But I always had a real strong spiritual sense. I will say that. We we were learned as kids a profound sense of ethics and right and wrong and caring for life and caring for humanity, caring for one another. That was central. So when I think about living a creative life, this is my primary mode. I use words as my primary creative tool. Uh, I write talks, I teach classes, coordinate events, make posts on social media, plan events, lead fundraisers, counsel people, attend to crises, personal, national, and global, and attend more meetings than I could ever possibly hope to attend in my entire life. And one of the great things about the job that I have, no two days are alike ever. It's just never happened. So I graduated from college back in the last millennium, it's a thousand years ago, moved to North Carolina to start a job in the shipping industry at the Port of Wilmington. Uh, I was an international studies major. I got a job in an international field, and that's really fantastic. In fact, I had two different jobs in the time I worked at the port. One of them was supervising longshoremen, and as you can imagine, I was misemployed. (laughs) 
grossly misemployed, but I was a liberal arts major, got a job in my field. So I'm like, check this out. It's not too shabby. Check me out. But then I had a friend take me to Unity in November 1989. And in my collegiate years, and even before that, I had been very interested in religion and faith and this sort of thing, and taken several courses, and kind of considered myself a misfit. I didn't know really any faith community that would welcome somebody like me. But I walked into Unity Christ Church, Wilmington, North Carolina, and I realized, holy mackerel, I've come home. Anybody else ever have a feeling like that? I mean, just energetically, you just feel a vibe. So got involved in 1992, I was elected to the Board of Trustees. I've been serving on Unity Church boards for 31 years now. I should get a chip for that or something. Other than the one on my shoulder, I'm just trying to get that one off. But that's a whole different story for a different day. So I got elected to the board, went on board retreat, and there we were meditating. It was a beautiful retreat center on, in coastal North Carolina. And I'm just, just minding my own business, just kind of being in the zone. And this voice came to me and said, you are to be a unity minister. Who said that? Who said that? Looking around. Just me. And I thought to myself, this is nuts. I couldn't possibly do that. You had to go to Kansas City for two years. I had student loan debt up to here, and, and we just bought a house, and it was just, no, it wasn't going to work. But my minister and his wife started teaching Unity credit classes. I thought, well, I might as well go ahead and take the class. So I started taking credit classes. And then the church had a scholarship um, contest, and they were going to send somebody out to Unity Village for two weeks to study. And Russ won. I was really excited, but it was Russ Donahue. Good job, Russ. Nevertheless, I persisted in my studies. I was really happy for him, but he, um, anyway, I was feeling crestfallen, and he went out to Unity Village, and I think that was his first and only trip there. But I began taking classes and, and then got involved more and more, and the church actually started paying for my education. Well, eventually I applied to the ministerial path. It was in 97 or 98. It was, again, it was a thousand years ago. It was a different millennium, so who knows when it was. And then there was a pandemic, so who really knows when anything <laughs> happened? Um, and uh, two members, another lady from my church and I both went out. We, we did our interview process, thought it went really well. And so back in the day, they used to mail, remember the mail? They would mail your letters to you, uh, whether you got in or not. And then after a certain point period, they would post who was received into the program at the village. Well, there was an ice storm, as there frequently is in Kansas City. Letters were delayed. We didn't get our letters by the time the day that they were going to be um, posted. So in its infinite wisdom, Unity School faxed us what turned out to be our redirection letters, meaning we didn't get into the program, neither one of us. And we're leaning over the fax machine with our minister. It was his birthday, by the way. And we're watching our, we regret to inform you that spirit hasn't called you at this time or something like that. And it's like, whatever. But in that moment, I made a decision. You believe this stuff or you don't. This is legitimate. You keep going. Uh, if not, then there may have been another blessing. So I continued my studies, and a unity minister commented to me once, well, you know, they have this thing called the field program, where you don't have to go to Kansas City. Uh, well, that's fantastic. I didn't know anything about it. So I inquired about it, and they said, yeah, you can apply to the field program, but first you have to become a licensed unity teacher. Okay. So that was a two-year program. And then I got my credential in 2001. I'm thinking, great, it's a new millennium. I can be a unity minister now. So I applied, and the due date was in September. And I got a letter back from Unity Village saying, 
well, I'm sorry, you have to be a licensed teacher for a year before you can apply, and it's only been nine months. And I said, but I finished my studies and everything way before then. Well, the rule is the rule. I'm like, Are you kidding me? Okay, so I waited another year. And then I applied for the field program. Many of you know Reverend Ron Karstetter, our prior associate. He went through the field program. So at the time, it was a four-year program that required a lot of trips out to Unity Village and all that. But anyway, did all that, went through the additional four-year program, and uh, long and short of it was in um, May of 2007, I received my ordination and my master's degree at the University of North Carolina because I had so much time, why not get a master's degree? So I went and got a master's degree and uh, had a joint ceremony. Bottom line, from the time I received that calling, at the Trinity Center in Coastal North Carolina to the day I got my ordination, a mere 14 years. And it's been a piece of cake ever since. <laughs> uh, the cake had mold on it in some parts. <laughs> I simply mention this, that when an idea hits us, when there's something that's important to us, we will just have to do the work and take the lumps that come along. Because whether it's something that we need, something we want, or something we desire that is very important to us, we must persist and commit. And in somewhere along the line, there were many times I just thought, I don't want to do this anymore. This is stupid. But there was that nagging voice that said, it's not stupid. And you do want to do this. You have been prepared for this. Myrtle Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, once said, I have made what seem mistakes and failures, but out of, out of them came understanding, wisdom, strength, and the ability to help others. You know, the universe, we often say, never wastes energy. And so, as you've heard me say, and as we say often around here, is, is how can what is before us or what is before me be for me, be for us? See, one of the great things I love about what we do in unity as a way of helping people to create rich, full, meaningful, abundant lives is to develop an entrepreneurial mindset that says whatever the facts are, there is a way to leverage them for good. Now, it may take a while to figure out what that way is, but it is always there. Elizabeth Gilbert says this on page 184 of the text, do what you love to do and do it with seriousness and lightness. At least then you will know that you have tried and that whatever the outcome, you will have tried, lived a noble life and traveled a noble path. Something I love about what we teach in unity and no thought, we teach a noble way of living that is both profoundly serious and thoroughly lighthearted and fun. So this week, I invite you to invest time in honoring your life journey. Take a look back and see how far you have come. 
and what you have overcome, what you have leveraged for good for others. Just know that you are complete and lacking in nothing, and that whatever various trials come your way, you are already equipped and prepared to use them for good. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.